Hello, this is Bill Curley. And Holly Hudley. And welcome to the podcast In Between, which is an educational offering of St. Paul's United Methodist Church and Ordinary Life. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. The pretense continues. The pretense continues. We just started. Huh? <laughs> I said, we well, just started. <laughs> well, I know, but we pretend that we haven't been talking for 20 minutes. <laughs> That's what I was saying. We only just started. <laughs> Some things are not new. Yeah. Um, so here we are. Uh, I've been, you know, when you, when something comes to your consciousness, you notice it everywhere. And you and I were floating back and f- there it is again, floating back and forth about the image of a stream. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this wonderful poem by Hafiz found me after our last conversation. I say it found me, but it was also in, it, it's in sequential order. I'm reading, I have this book by my bedside a year with Hafiz. So each poem is dated. And on December 29th, it says, a river understands. I used to know my name, now I don't. I think a river understands me. For what does it call itself in that blessed moment when it starts emptying into the infinite luminous sea and opening every aspect of self wider than it ever thought possible? Each drop of itself now running to embrace and unite with a million new friends. And you were there in my union with all, everyone who will ever see this page. Oh, that's beautiful. I love that. Yeah. I love the line, what does the river call itself as it approaches the the luminous sea? (laughs) So what does it call itself? A threshold? I don't know. (laughs) It's, it's such, it's such a wordless image because it, is a, a liminal space, one that doesn't have definition. So um, as you know, but people who are listening probably don't know, mm-hmm. we're introducing a new theme this coming Sunday Yeah, called Living in the Sacred Stream. Ah, is that what we decided on? Good job. <laughs> That's what... You said, and I said, I like that. Okay, good. We, oh my we give, God. We, we give, I, yeah. I bet we went through 30 titles. Yeah, we should just have a, a, a post of that. All the titles we went through, silly and not silly. But um, we also reserve the right to change it if need be. <laughs> and, uh, and this this Sunday, I'm introducing it um, this stream being the stream that is mentioned in unbinding the um well stream that is mentioned in um the kingdom within and then the stream that is mentioned both by stephen mitchell and by lee leo tosaway in their gospel of jesus so three streams mentioned in three kind of different ways that we're going to be combining and talking about in the coming year i'm really i'm i'm, I'm really excited about it yeah I, I was thinking by the way of um 
I've written part of what I'm going to teach on Sunday, and I was thinking about John Sanford's image of the well, you know, that when you don't use it, it dries up. Of the wonderful saying in Thomas mm-hmm. 70, um, if you bring forth what is within you, and that bringing forth is uh, not sometimes a very easy thing. But, but yeah, I'm excited about the spring. Yeah. Ah, so this year could be a return to the Gospel of Thomas. Yeah. <laughs> I love the Gospel of Thomas. It, I mean, thanks I to you. I think it's just, and that one is one of my very favorite sayings, uh, that if you bring forth what is within you, it will save you. And, you know, this, um, the what, what, there's, a, there's a thing that uh, people say to new moms when their children are sleeping, and new moms can worry about a lot of things, sleeping too much, sleeping too little, sleeping too, you know, it's sleeping the wrong hours, all of that. But the the saying, the saying is the more the baby sleeps, the more the baby sleeps. And this somehow is that, relates. Is that a good thing? Yes. Yeah. It's kind of like don't let us I let a sleeping dog lie, right? Don't wake right. a sleeping baby. Right. Um, and and the sleep is so important to development. But the, the point was really um, that the bringing forth what is within you, that the more we love, the more we love, you know, that mm-hmm. somehow I related that to sleeping in a new baby, but there is an infinite well within us of those beautiful and good things. Mm-hmm. I wonder if there's an infinite well within us of the terrible, ugly things too you know is it also true that the more you hate the more you hate or is it only the converse that is true that the more you love the more you love whatever you dwell on will grow in your experience yeah yeah so if you dwell on hatred and fear and revenge and that sort of thing it will grow in yeah. you. yeah yeah and um I have this buddy in California who is, a, I, I mentioned him to you before. Yeah. He is the first person I ever knew who was a member of Mensa. Yes. And he's incredibly bright. Um, he's retired now from, um, as you might expect, he worked in Silicon Valley in a high think thing huh. for some computer genius group. Uh-huh. Um, but um he he is a man for whom uh, he he and I have a deep love for each other mm. and we're very different in many 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 ways um I don't understand the world that he lives in he can easily even uh, now get on a plane and fly it without I mean he, he can just do stuff yeah and he is a um thoroughgoing, um, atheist. I think the, the right term for him would be he's a thoroughgoing anti-religionist. Yeah, yeah. And um, so he sends me stuff. Mm-hmm. He sends me funny stuff. He sends me a lot of <laughs> funny cartoons and funny jokes and so forth. But then the last, two days he has sent me something by a guy who used to be a spokesperson for the Southern Baptist Convention huh. who has been exiled from the Southern Baptist Convention because of 
his progressive tendencies. Interesting. And this guy has said that he he has been called down by people in Southern Baptist churches, but in uh, evangelical churches, where his trouble started was preaching sermons on the Sermon on the Mount. Hmm. And being told by parishioners, that doesn't work here anymore. Wow. Wow. We're no longer interested in what Jesus might have said. <laughs> so <laughs> our narrative of, yeah. This yeah. is one of the things that I think living in the sacred stream, we got to look at is that what has happened that religious people are anti their own teachings. I mean, you know, I, I will, I, I'm fond of saying to clients that, you know, any argument you have with reality, you're going to lose. <laughs> Who's reality, right? You're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna, you, I mean, try to, you try to argue against evolution, you're going to lose. Yeah. Right? Because it's just what it, it's gonna it is. It's going to keep going. Like, you know. It's going to keep going whether exactly. you believe in it or, or not. That's right. Yeah. So, um, I, I I'm just a little bit distracted, uh, distracting myself by thinking I saw this program on PBS last night about what it means to be a patriot. Oh, interesting. Uh, what it means to be a patriot that participates in a democratic society. And one of the things that this man said was that being a patriot in the United States means putting country first, not mm. party, not person. Mm. But if you're going to be a patriot of a country, you put the well-being of the country before everything else hmm. of that country. And I was thinking that, you know, if you're going to be a, a claim to be a Christian, that what you put first are the teachings of Jesus, not a denomination, not a person, not a doctrine, that sort of thing. And, and we're losing that. Yeah. Well, I... I... <sighs> I feel like I refer back to this a lot, but I, I think about what, again, what Jackie Lewis said about empiring Jesus and that the empire has sort of owned Jesus for hundreds of years. You know, this kind of, so what does it look like to decolonize or de-empire the words of Jesus. And I think the terrifying thing about that is that we're going to go through this period of relativism. We would go through, a if, if we can't hold on to something factual, real, true, et cetera, then we, in order to really develop at the highest level of kind of consciousness and or morality, we also have to go through this time of, of, of relativism in order to get to the other side of that. Um, and I wonder if that's terrifying to people. If I can't hold on to what is sure, to what the empire says is true about Jesus, and we might call the church the empire. Right. Then what what can I hold on to? So the, well, I think one of the reasons we, you, we were bringing up the stream image again is, is in part because it relates to this no the being between the no longer and the not yet, the ever moving stream. Well, using a using an analogy that people on this podcast 
don't may not be familiar with, but mm-hmm. you are, and I can elaborate. The church is an eddy in the stream. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's not the stream, right? And right. and that is one of the things that I think that um, the biblical religious scholars that I respect, the ones you know that really are trying to speak the truth to to us, are trying are trying to say, Holly, I just had a thought. You yeah. just planted a thought in my mind. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Let's see if we can get Jackie Lewis to come back. Oh, but I'd this love time to. In person. Yeah. Would that be, be great? It would be fantastic. I bet she is a force in person. And she is a well, force. Well, she is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You've seen her in person. That's right. I, I've yeah. not met her in person. But that, um, that'd be awesome. Okay. Yes. Put that on the agenda. <laughs> Uh, I think when we get off the podcast, I'm going to text her and see yeah. what's the chance, what's the chance we can get you back. Yeah. I, I think um, I was looking for something on my phone, which is, uh, you know, there's so many theories of, of moral and ethical development that would the, the one you and I are probably most familiar with is Lawrence Kohlberg. Um, mm-hmm. But William Perry also, and Piaget also had a theory of moral development, which I, you know, we're so associate him with kind of cognitive development throughout the lifespan. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I had forgotten about his theory of moral development. And William Perry also has this um, theory of intellectual and ethical development where we move from, do you know who William Perry is? Psycho- no. Yeah, so just another psychologist <laughs> and um, has... This we go through this development from dualism to multiplicity to relativism to commitment. In other words, in commitment, we have a higher understanding of what is right and wrong for the for the highest good. Not just commitment to our beliefs and mm-hmm. our systems and our culture and our uh, our very particulars, but a commitment to the highest good. So there is not relativism in that. And in, in commitment, genocide is always wrong no matter what. Violence mm-hmm. is all is wrong no matter what. You know? Right. So so these kinds of whereas in relativism we can we can make things make sense. We can we can tell our minds that there's a reason for almost anything. Mm-hmm. Um and I imagine that relativism is a real is the trickiest spot to be in. Because there's too many gray areas. It's kind of like in faith development, this kind of being between stage three and stage four, or maybe even stage two and stage three from certainty to kind of uncertainty is the trickiest stage to be in. Because I think we as human beings feel a little bit unmoored in the stream when we don't have something certain to hold on to. And that is, I think, what we hope to speak to is kind of how how to be in the stream without, <laughs> without mm-hmm. fear. Well, it, it, you know, being in the stream is terrifying. Yeah. And, and um, because there's just, there's this real paradox. If I, cl- if I hang on to what I think is my identity, I suffer. And if I give it up, I also suffer. Right. And every every spiritual teacher in every tradition 
has taught that you gain by going down. You gain by you going gain, down. Yeah. You gain by giving up, by letting go. And we just are not acculturated to think like that, to feel safe doing that. Yeah. And um, we, well, part of it is that we become so isolated. Yeah. And, and I, I think that, you know, with Western dominance being what it is, um, with the empire being what it is, that shift toward isolation and individualism has spread so far beyond just the United States. So let me throw let me throw something at you and get your response to this. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'm thinking about a title for a talk that you and I could do together. Yeah. Called thermostat or thermometer. Thermostat or thermometer. Okay. Yeah. Now respond. <laughs> what what should what should what should spiritual teaching be? Should spiritual teaching be a thermostat that controls the heat and comfort of people, or should it be a thermometer that says that this measures is what's it. going on? So the thermometer measures it, and the and the thermostat controls it. Hmm. Well, that's an interesting question because also in the thermostat is a range, right? Mm -hmm. There's a there's a high and a low, but there's still very clear boundaries between the high and low. Well, I, you know, maybe it's both and neither because the 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 thermometer tells us where we are, right? It, it takes the temperature of where we are, gives us a picture of reality, so to speak. Whereas the thermostat gives us the range, um, that kind of. So you have you you have people who will clearly say. Uh -huh. I, I'm involved in my religious organization. I come to church because I want to be comforted. Uh huh. Yeah. I want to be strengthened. I want to be given solace. I want to be given, um, you know, whatever it is that people are looking for. And then you have people like Jesus who say, well, I come to church not to bring peace, but a sword. Uh huh. Yep. <laughs> and how do you balance those? Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe where the analogy needs to be turned on its head is that it's, you know, so may, in some sense, Jesus is kind of like a thermometer, right? Let me kind of pick, take a picture of where you are mm -hmm. and, and throw a dagger in it. Um, so let's say we have a really high fever, we take something to reduce the fever, right? Mm -hmm. um, is Jesus the antidote? Is Jesus neither the thermostat nor the thermometer? Because the, the words that we have learned to attribute to Jesus have given us a reading of where we are, mm -hmm. but there's also more. There's also an and go beyond this. Mm-hmm. So I had a professor in seminary who said that his understanding of the teaching of Jesus was like this. 
He said, imagine that you're walking along this path and you see a door or an archway in front of you. And over the archway, it says, come unto me, all ye who are lab who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And this is so appealing to you because you are burdened. You are lonely. You're frustrated. You're malnourished. You're in need. And so you respond to that invitation and you go through the door. And you walk a little way and you turn and you look back. And now you see over the arch written, um, you did not choose me. I chose you mm. to be a light unto the world or whatever the message is. So there is definitely, if you get on a path, whether it's Buddhist, Hindu, whatever, Christian, there is a responsibility to say this is why and this is why and how I think this is a meaningful way to be. Yeah. I would like to invite you to join. And you have to do what is necessary to stop injustice in the world. Yeah. Because all of these traditions lead to the fact that if you if you begin to get a glimpse of your true identity, you cannot help but have compassion for other people. Yeah. Yeah. And compassion for yourself. <sighs> well, that just to get, go back to your thermostat thermometer image for a second. I think the thermometer is designed to tell us where we are, but then we've got about, we've got to get beyond the parameters of, of just traditional religion. you They do provide a path. They do provide a way of deepening, a way of going inward, a way of knowing the true self. I think all the wisdom religions do that. But we also have to kind of get beyond them. I don't know. Or, you know as, as I say that, I'm like, do we? Do we need to get beyond religion? Or will those parameters always in some way define human human behavior? human patterns of belief and ritual. I wonder if it is just learning to soften the edges of them. So I had a really interesting conversation with Matt Russell. Uh, we know we should invite Matt to do one of these podcasts. With us. Yeah, we totally should. <laughs> um, because Matt, Matt was telling about this guy who did this experiment, who found out that there are certain needs that people have that, um, when, when people get together in groups and they do things together, that they sing together, uh -huh. they hear instruction together, they undertake some project together, that this kind of community building benefits everybody, not just yeah. the people in the group, but the people around it. Yeah. And those are the things that happen or should happen in church. Yeah. That people sing together, they hear instruction together, they do good things together. Mm -hmm. But very often, it seems to me that the church is shooting itself in the foot mm -hmm. by not living up to a true charter. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I don't want to sound like hellfire and brimnation in the opposite direction, but I kind of think the church needs to be completely like reoriented. You know, in in some ways, 
I don't know if I ever think it's helpful to burn something entirely to the ground so that it's unrecognizable because you still need to retain the lessons learned or the, you know, the, the where you need to retain something of the history so that you don't repeat the same mistakes, right? something of the pattern so that you don't repeat the same mistakes. So, but, but it, it needs a severe makeover. <laughs> like we, and, and also just that, you know, we think of just responding in some ways to the, the statistic about there being more people in this country who identify as spiritual, but not religious, that, that maybe the question should be, is religion even doing that? Providing providing community at its very basic form for people anymore, because so many people have left. And then the one that seems to be growing the fastest and the hardest are the ones with the tightest parameters, i.e. fundamentalism and, and even evangelism. Well, Correct me if I'm wrong, but worldwide is it Islam the fastest growing? Yes, it, it, Islam is the fastest growing. And also, I mean, Christianity also continues to grow in places like Korea and, you know, that and right. in Asia. So it's, but yes, it, oh, relatively speaking, within the years of its formal existence, Islam is the fastest growing. I, I, I'm not sure about this because I haven't talked to any Muslim people recently about this, but I think that the appeal of Islam is that it's very clear cut. Mm -hmm. You know, that here are the five things that you need to do to be part of this religion and you do them. And when you are part of the Islamic community, you are accepted and loved and that you're part of a family. Yeah. Yeah. There's so we an identity. Got a lot of things, uh, yeah. We have a lot of things springing up uh -huh. <laughs> from the stream or the well. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, I think you can love a thing and still critique it pretty soundly. You know, you, you we've got to we've got to critique the thing that has held uh, you uh, for all of your professional life. The thing that has held each of us in some shape or pattern for all of our lives, period. You know, mm -hmm. our religious experience is our cultural experience to a large degree. And, and you can love a thing and still critique it. And still want yes. it to be different. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's my answer when people ask me why I still stay in the church is that mm -hmm. I think I have a... Uh, a, a better opportunity to do within the context of organized religion what I want to do. And besides, there are a lot of people who attend organized religious meetings for a variety of reasons who are struggling with the cognitive dissonance that those very organizations give them. Yeah. Um, they're, they're in a structure, for example, that's largely racist. Yeah and practices racism unconsciously mm -hmm. and they know it and they want to come to terms with that and see how they can make a difference if they can and that sort of thing it's it's very complicated yeah life is complicated <laughs> life is complicated and so well, we'll have all the answers for you by the end of 2024 2024 just 
This okay. is going to be this is going to be a fraught and tumultuous year. Yes. An ever moving stream. An ever moving stream with uh, whitewater rapids from time to time. <laughs> this is not your gentle mountain spring. This is your exciting adventurous stream <laughs> well, it can, you know it can be like you're in the grand canyon when we rafted it several times um it can be you can go down a very placid calm thing and then go over a water rapid that's 40 feet down uh yeah so yeah 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 all right, let's dive in. Well, Happy New Year and um, start making your Christmas list for next year. Not too oh, early. Okay, yeah, I'm, I'm already going to shop the sales. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to text Jackie Lewis and see what response I get. Yeah, that would be so exciting. I'd love to be with her. All right. Okay, bye. Love you. Love bye. You.